This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Welcome to Primal Screen, a Triple R film criticism show and podcast. For the final time this year, I am your host, Paul Anthony Nelson, and joining me in the virtual studio are Sally Christie. Hello. Maybe it's the final time in the virtual studio. Maybe. Might be. Nice. Here's here's hoping. Um, (laughs) Or then again, you know, it's been kind of (laughs) nice. And flick forward. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Good. (laughs) How are we all? I'm excited for this episode. I always like the top 10. I love it. it. I I love it. Um, I'm I'm very sweaty, but I can't work out whether it's just excitement over the top 10 or the fact that it's like 30 degrees. I think it's your excitement flick. Yeah, definitely more the excitement than the heat. Uh, Well, as we're saying, the moment has finally arrived. The show that excites me the most all year. The only reason I do it, really. We announce our top films of 2020. Now, given the unique circumstances of this year, meaning we saw less new releases than usual, released in cinemas, but mostly streaming and video-on-demand rental services, because we, like many of you out there, I'm sure, watch so many more retrospective titles this year, we're going to kick off the show by shining a light on our top five retro revelations, copyright Carl Chapman, of 2020. Uh, The films of the past, which we saw for the first time this year, all of which you can seek out at home, And then after that, we will highlight the one vote wonders of 2020, which are the films that we individually championed that we named in our top, that either Sally Flick or myself voted in our top 10 and nobody else did. And then we will unveil the films we collectively voted as our favorites. Now we've sold you a bit of a false bill of goods here. It's not a top 10. It's a, it's a super seven of 2020. (laughs) Only just seven films got multiple votes, but 14, there's 14 one vote wonders before that. So let's kick off, shall we, with our retro revelations of 2020. So long-time listeners will know that even before the pandemic struck, we'd started the practice of adding a so-called retro title to look at each week alongside our two new release reviews. And obviously, with cinemas shutting down and Melbournians being forced to stay home eight of the last 12 months, access to new releases has been considerably more limited. So we began what became a 32-show run of ISO Spotlight Specials, where we'd spotlight older films that are available to rent or buy from your own home. This has led us all to discover some gems of years past, some hidden, some not so hidden, that we saw for the very first time this year. So let's whip around the Zoom, thank you, and reveal each what each of our top five retro revelations of 2020 were, starting with Sal. Um, I actually cheated a bit on mine. There's two of them that I had seen before because I, <gasps> couldn't, I couldn't find five that I hadn't seen, so I picked two. Really? That- yeah. 
Oh my so god. So naughty, Sal. Like straight off the bat, already breaking the rules. I've seen so like think... 180 films I haven't seen before this year. So. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I I really struggled to find five that I hadn't seen. So I there's two in here which I'll, I'll get to last, which I I really enjoyed revisiting it. I ha- it had been a really long time since I'd seen them. Mm-hmm. So my top my my three that I haven't seen um, were Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, starring David Bowie, um, with that. A gorgeous soundtrack by um oh my goodness what's his Ryuchi name Sakamoto. yes yes mm-hmm. so his first um his first score that he didn't he also stars in the film um so that was one that I saw for the first time this year and absolutely gorgeous film and absolutely gorgeous score so that was um a real delight to look at also shoot the moon oh, from yes. Yes. Alan Parker. I got yeah. Um. I yeah. Flick. I think that was your pick when we did our Alan Parker retrospective, and I just loved this film. I absolutely adored it. I thought it was such a treat. I thought yeah, these performances were absolutely incredible. Um. I could not put Fists of Fury after (laughs) I carried on so much about it on the show. (laughs) Changed your life. It did change my life. I'm um. Now doing kung fu? No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but Fist of Fury definitely. Um, like I was saying, I, I actually hadn't seen a Bruce Lee film before. We did our Bruce Lee retrospective, and I just I loved them. Um, so that was a real game changer for me. The other two that are on there, which we didn't cover on the show, um, which were retros that I hadn't seen for a very long time were um, Eyes Without a Face, the 1960 um, French horror movie, which really blew me away watching this again with how, uh, I guess, of much of an impact the, um, I, I don't want to say gore, but the, mm. I, I guess, how graphic this film is um, and how well done that was for 1960. I think it, it really has such an impact on, well, it did on me anyway. Um, and my last retro, which I just adored this movie as a teenager and used to watch it over and over and over again and hadn't seen it since I was a teenager, and that is um, Freeway starring Reese Witherspoon and Keith Sutherland, which was just as much fun to watch as an adult. Sally, um, that that nearly made my five. I'd, I'd never seen it before. It's and I such don't a know, good film. And I didn't know you'd watched it this year as well. Um, and it just blew me away. I was like, how how have I not my, my partner and I have a wet have designated nights we've had throughout, you know, sort of programming. And Wednesdays are called Why TF have when have I not seen this Wednesday? And for one of these, we watched Freeway and it was just unbel- like it just blew my mind. It's, it's so, so much fun. It's so smart. I like Reese Witherspoon in that more than election. Yeah, so for people that perhaps haven't seen Freeway, um, I think it's on Prime. It's pretty. It is easy on Prime and Canopy, yeah. And um, I haven't seen it. Maybe I'll add it to my list. Oh, for it's next great, year. and it's Do a it. really graphic retelling of um, Little Red Riding Hood. Oh wow! Um, and it's cool? yeah, absolutely With fantastic. It's from Keith Sutherland as the big bad wolf. Yes, from nineteen ninety six. It's great, and it's got Brooke Shields and. Um, who else? Amanda Plummer is in it. Really, yeah, Dan Hedaya. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Killer excellent, cast. Excellent film. So, I highly recommend Freeway to those who haven't seen it. So, uh, that was my um, top five with the sneaky two in there. So, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, available on SBS, Eyes Without a Face on Canopy, Freeway on Prime, Canopy, and YouTube, Shoot the Moon on iTunes, and Fist of Fury on SBS Prime. Flick, yeah. your five. 
All right. Um, I actually ra- like ranked mine. I don't know why. You did. I ranked <laughs> yeah. mine too. Yeah. I can't. Okay. I can never yes. rank. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll start with number five. Oh no, I'll start from first because we're going to do it the other way around. So my number one was actually a recommendation from Cerise. But prior to our interview with Peter Strickland, she was like, "You have to see Catalan Vaga," and um, I just loved it. This is rape revenge film. Um, set in a remote rural village, and this woman. Um, basically uh, goes around uh, <laughs> claiming justice. but it, I think With the child out, that came yeah, out of that. Yeah. Mm. And I think that what stood out for me was just like, um, I mean, it's a really fant- fasc- fascinating story, but I think actually more so the camera angles and the use of sound in this film, just there's, there's moments in it that I've been like talking about for ages and I feel like they've really stuck with me. Um, so, yeah, definitely if you haven't seen Catalan Vaga, think it might still be on movie possibly anyway check it, it out mm-hmm. and it's yeah and it's it's the debut um feature film by peter strickland so if you like his films definitely go back and watch that uh number two is always shine um this was discovered during our women in horror horror special with alex um helen nicholas um it's a 2016 film by sophia takal and is also written by her partner lawrence michael levin levin um Levine? Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, it stars Mackenzie Davis and Caitlin Fitzgerald as two friends who are both actors and their friendship is um, kind of tested by this underlying je- jealousy but also this frustration with the industry. Um, and I just thought it was really excellent because it was sort of like also a comment on how women are expected to behave and kind of like the limiting gender stereotypes that play out on our screens as well. So it was a bit meta as well. Um, so that was always shine. Um, number three is actually one that you got me onto, Paul, and I wasn't even on this episode because I had to, I think I was sick that week or something came up. And this was um, our 90s vampire special. Yes, yes. Yeah, but your pick from memory was The Addiction, and I'd never seen it. That almost um, got on mine. Almost. Oh, really? Coming and ahhing. Yeah. Had you never seen it before? No. I oh, hadn't wow. That surprises you know. me, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't seen I it. I think it would be, yeah, I can imagine it being right up your alley. I loved it. I thought it was so, such a powerful film. So I loved all the grungy aesthetic, um, basically about a, a doctoral student who's kind of guided on her, her way to control her bloodlust. Um, highly recommend The Addiction from 1995, an Abel Ferrara film. Uh, number four was Mother, uh, Bong Joon Ho's film. Loved Parasite, but I'd never, and I feel like I'd watch most of his films, but I'd never seen Mother. So um, I loved this. I thought it was it was discovered during our spotlight on South Korean cinema. Um, it's just like a really uh, unflinching satire on kind of South Korea's uh, failing institutions. I highly, highly recommend Mother. Um, and also just some beautiful shots that have, again, stayed with me for a very long time. And finally, just to quickly wrap up, I got obsessed with Drive to Survive, which is on Netflix um, during <laughs> lockdown. I became absolutely obsessed with Formula One and uh, I don't even have my driver's license. So <laughs> I've never watched a car race in my life, but somehow became just obsessed. Um, anyway, fellow F1 enthusiast, Fee Wright, who, who does book reviews on Breakfasters, um, she recommended that I watch Asif Kapadia's documentary about um Ayrton Senna who's a three-time Formula One racing champion and also like this national hero in Brazil um he tragically died in a racing accident when he was about 34 so um I think I just thought this was a really fascinating documentary especially when you've got a budding interest in a sport and you don't know that much about it um and I think that this film is a great one to revisit especially 
underscored by uh, Romain Grosjean's uh, recent brush with death. So if you're interested in F1, if you also got obsessed with Drive to Survive, check out Senna. It's an amazing doco. Thank you. What <laughs> the hell is Drive to Survive? <laughs> I, think I, I think I like randomly brought this up once, but it was um, it's just all about F1. And so it goes from like, it's a really comprehensive cover of like, formula racing and um, all the different characters. And it honestly plays out like a drama. It's right. fantastic. Yeah. It's funny. I think with, um, with lockdown, how we got weird obsessions with things. I, I started <laughs> yeah. watching, um, sorry, Paul, I won't be sick. I started watching this Netflix show called Cooked, which is hosted by Khalees, which is about people cooking with weed. I don't smoke <laughs> weed and I don't cook, but I just became, I just couldn't stop watching it. I became obsessed with it. Do so I, I like, are they are they like baking brownies or is it for when they're high to eat? No, no. So they're cooking with different kinds of THC and things like oh, that. Right. So, well, <laughs> talk about niche program. I know. I know. Like, so yeah, I got, I got really obsessed with that. <laughs> Don't want to couple those two habits, those little two hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> and whereas now I'm just obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race, and one tenth of the people I follow on Instagram now are direct ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fierce. Um, so my uh, top five discoveries, um, all of which are accessible. So just to run through yours, Flick, Catelyn Varga is available on Mubi, Always Shine on SBS, Canopy, YouTube and iTunes and Fetch, The Addiction on Prime and YouTube, Mother on SBS, YouTube and iTunes and Senna on YouTube, iTunes and Amazon. My top five, number one was a film we covered in our 90s, direct, 90s iconic director debut special, is Wes Anderson's Bottle Rocket, oh, which yeah, I'd wow. never seen before. But it's like, yeah. of course, it's my kind of movie. <laughs> and I love that he debuted. He could have been like so many other 90s filmmakers and debuted with a post-Tarantino caper film and just vanished. But instead, mm-hmm. he got the genre and kind of bent it to his own will. It's so great. It's like, I call it Mild Streets. It's like it's like a, it's like a, like a sweet Wes Anderson version of Mean Streets. Yeah. Um, my number two was... Um, was the very first retro title we covered in 2020, which was Lynn Ramsey's Morven Keller. I love that film. Uh, which was just astonishing and beautiful and, you know, a, a fable about disappearing from your own life and um, has a, a glorious mixtape of a soundtrack. Um, and it's just this, yeah, this beautifully visual uh, exploration of rage and reinvention. It's so great. Um, my number three is... Sleuth, um, which is uh, the 1972 murder mystery whose entire cast is Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine. Oh, wow. And I've never seen this. Oh, get on it. It's on Prime and movie. And, um, yeah, it's written and directed by Joseph Mankiewicz, brother, oh, of, right. brother of Manx Herman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and it's set entirely in this old English house, which is full of, like, creepy auto- automatons and mystery sort of artifacts. And if you're a fan of stuff like Knives Out or um, yeah. or Death Trap or anything like that, get on to Sleuth. And not the remake with Kenneth Branagh, but the original with Olivier and, and Kane. My number four is Lola, which is the first film directed by Jacques Demy and an early French New Wave film that's essentially just kind of love-sucked uh, love struck people wandering around Paris. My number one retro discovery of last year was Jacques Demy's Model Shop, which was a huge influence on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Lola and Model Shop share a character. Um, but yeah, Lola is currently on Stan. And 
I don't know. There's a there's uh, the male lead in that film reminded me more of me in my twenties than anyone I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> it was kind of frightening. Uh it's very confronting. And my number five discovery, which is in the I can't believe I'd never seen this before, is 1967 Best Picture winner in the Heat of the Night. Norman oh, Jewison's yeah. uh, police procedural with Sidney Poitier and Rod Steiger, which mm. is one of the still one of the best films about race relations in the US and so great that Poitier's character kind of drives the narrative and doesn't have to extend the olive branch he's never the guy that has to win the white guy over he's just doing his job and wants to get out of this cracker town and it's Rod Steiger alongside him who starts to see this guy as a human being and just like he's actually awesome and I'm yeah my beliefs need to be questioned and and turns around and it's just it's such a cool film and plus it's like it's like a cool it's almost like an episode, a season of Luther, you know, like it's one of those sort of like, it's like a great crime procedural as well. And Poitier is so fierce. Um, so yeah. So those are my top five retros for the year. Uh, Bottle Rocket available on YouTube and iTunes. Morvan Keller available on Prime and Canopy. Sleuth available on Prime and Mubi. Lola available on Stan and Canopy. And In the Heat of the Night on Stan and iTunes. Triple R on FM, digital, online, and via the app. You are listening to the season finale of Primal Screen on Triple R with Flick Ford, Sally Christie, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. So, our three intrepid co-hosts here in the virtual studio, Sally, Flick, and myself, all cast our vote for our top 10 new release films of 2020. The only rule that applied is that the films had to have had their first paid public release in cinemas, streaming, video on demand, home rental, film festivals, or galleries, remember those, in (laughs) Australia during the 2020 calendar year. Obviously, there are films coming out over the next month that we may not have seen yet, such as Nomadland or Wonder Woman 1984, some of which we will be likely covering when we return in 2021. So here we go. Without further ado, after all the votes were cast from our trio of hosts, 14 films got one vote, five films got two, and two films gained unanimous votes, sweeping the show, something that hadn't happened on our predecessor, Plato's Cave, for years. So we'll start by mentioning the films that each of us stood alone in nominating, with the opportunity for us all to shine a spotlight on one we didn't get to discuss on the show during the year, and we'll have a little clip to lead into each one. So, Flick. Your top 10 included your myth favorite, Valentin Vazyanovich's excellent minimalist Ukrainian post-war drama Atlantis, mm. um, which is probably my top 20 of the year as well. Yeah. Two thoughtful sci-fi films we recently reviewed on the show in Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor and uh, Sandra Wallner's The Trouble with Being Born. Ant Timpson's insane midnight movie horror comedy, Come to Daddy, which is, <laughs> I did not expect to wind up on your list. Bit of a wild card. I actually just remembered it came out this year. I think I texted you, didn't I? I'd be like, wait a moment. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God, Daddy. I forgot Come to Daddy. It's like, oh, no, 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 it said something like, oh, I forgot, Come to Daddy. And my partner looked at my phone at that point. I was like, what's this? <laughs> Um, oh, that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a film. Um, and no, she, she's all over it. Um, and lastly, another wild card that ended up on your list, Yug Shamash, a film we didn't review on the show, Sasha Baron Cohen and Jason Walner's Borat 
subsequent movie film. I have a baby inside me, mm -hmm. and I want to take it out of me. Mm -hmm. Right. She wants it out now, please. Right. I Can mean, you take it out? No, we cannot. That's not what we do here. And why not? What you say, take it out. Yes. You end that life. That, that life will die. Right. It's already dead. It's not living. So, Flick, what made Borat elbow out various... <laughs> By the way, Borat is talking about a, a small plastic baby on a cake that they're then going to the doctors and have an awkward encounter about. What made Borat 2 make your list? Uh, I think some a lot of people will be surprised that I've included that. Um, most of my other films are pretty serious, um, kind of highbrow European drama. Look, I loved this film, and I know a lot of people didn't, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to have fun. You did enjoy it as yeah, well. So, yeah, oh, really that's great. Yeah. I think I just had a lot of friends who were like, that was terrible. I hated that. <laughs> but I think it was mainly for them, just going based on that, it was mainly feeling really uncomfortable. But that's exactly, of course, what I loved about it. I think this was such a great film, actually, to couple with Alex Gibney's um, amazing documentary on uh, the Trump administration's response to um, the COVID pandemic called Totally Under Control, which we did review on the show. Um I, a heck of a double feature. Yeah, I think that that would work because comedy so often gets left out of these and I just think yeah. that it's a great response. And I just, I think Sasha and Barry Cohen knows exactly what he's doing. It's so insightful and so clever. Um, I loved the fact that it brought in um, sort of gender politics into it as well. I just loved everything that was so gross out and so um, just really brash. I thought it was, I had so much fun watching this and I think it's kind of the film that I needed this year. So it got me through some stuff. <laughs> How good is Maria Bakalova? Buc oh, amazing. Huge she shout was, out to her. Yeah, she really makes this film. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, just a perfect foil for him. And seemed yes. the two of them just seemed to, and of, yeah, of course, um, and Rudy. Scene? Yeah, in the scene. Oh, Rudy. Yeah, that was huge. And that's like <laughs> the fact that it had a huge impact on the um, American yeah. election, you know, and the fact that film can do that is so satisfying and really encouraging, I think. <laughs> for, really, um, it's the same yeah. night as the debate, I think. Um, oh, was so it? The debate was oh, happening. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, it was. Yeah. Because I know they. Yeah. Because yeah, I know Prime rushed night. it out to beat the election, like rushed yep. it out to get it there. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yep. <laughs> Um, so Sally, your top 10 included a film that came very, very close to making my list. Uh, Golda Gaztelu Iriuta's dystopian sci-fi thriller, The Platform. Yes. Uh, which, uh, I recall, uh, Flick being a big fan of. <clears throat> um, one of the, uh, one of the films we reviewed in our very first show of the year, Justin Curzel's revisionist dress-wearing, gun-slinging, true history of the Kelly gang. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen that still. Sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fire out. Um, yeah, it's worth worth checking out. Um, a primal screen festival favourite from last year that got a slightly wider release this year, Isabel Peppett and Josie Hess's Morgana, a documentary film, which we can safely say we all love here. Mm -hmm. And lastly, a film we didn't review on the show, but is very on-brand for you, <laughs> the very self-explanatory idiot prayer, Nick Cave Alone at Alexandra Palace. Sally, do I even need to ask? <laughs> um, of course I had to put this this one on my list. Um, this During the second lockdown, which I think that we will all agree was much more difficult than our first lockdown here, um, I, I'm, I'm a big Nick Cave fan, everybody knows this, but 
he was really, I think, giving to his fans in a way that he it still runs. There's a 24-hour Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds channel on YouTube that you can access. And this initially was a paid concert where you, you paid to access this, um, which I did. And it was this really bittersweet thing being able to watch this concert from home. And it is a really beautiful, beautiful concert. Um, being able to watch it from home and sort of at this point, not knowing what our future is for being able to see live music. Is this going to become a new norm? So it was very comforting to be able to see this concert, but also I think a bit terrifying in a way to go, is this this how we're going to interact with live music from now on? Um, So, yeah, it it was, I just found watching this a really interesting experience. Um, I'm glad that it did get a cinema release. I think it's on at cinemas, some cinemas now. Um, But, yeah, just a really yeah, gorgeous performance and I think quite profound for me to be able to, you know, watching this and not knowing what our future holds when it comes to live music. And it was great that it's one of your favourite artists that was that. Pretty, pretty lucky. Kind of guinea yeah. pig for that too. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, as for myself, uh, my list this year seems to be smattered with surprise, very surprising, very 2020s kind of horror films like Amy Seamitz's low-budget apocalyptic mood piece, She Dies Tomorrow, and Jairo Bustamante's exquisitely elegiac and quietly chilling La La Ronya, um, both of which screened at Myth 68 and a half this year. Um, kicking off that same festival was another film I voted for, Kelly Reichardt's beautiful story of male friendship on the American frontier, First Cow. I also voted for Corey Findlay's clever true crime story of double lives and double crosses, and perhaps... Hugh Jackman's finest hour, Bad Education, um, which is as close to a 70s film as I saw this year. Yeah, I forgot about that film entirely. Oh, (laughs) I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's just stayed with me. Mm. And lastly, um, it's interesting because two of the films that I voted for in the top 10 uh, I saw within a week of each other, and this is the third that I saw within that week, and they're my top three films of the year now. That week was from January 30th to to February 6th. So, like, yeah, the three films I saw at that point have ruled the rest of my year, and this is one of them, which we didn't get to discuss on the show, Marielle Heller's tribute to Mr. Rogers, A Beautiful Day. Would you do something with me, Lloyd? It's an exercise I like to do sometimes. We'll just take a minute and think about all the people who loved us into being. I I can't do that they will come to you just one minute of silence this was a revelation for me um beyond a general pop culture knowledge of his name and reputation i had no experience of mr rogers fred rogers whatsoever i hadn't seen the documentary won't you be my neighbor which i've since rectified um and from the outside i just thought this just Looks, I like Hanks, and I, I, but I feel like this is going to be sentimental dreck, which is what I'm not in for. And I was what I didn't count on was Marielle Heller. Um, there's something so lovely, so lovely, so genuinely touching, and so wise about this film. It's full of genius directorial and screenwriting touches, like it structures the entire film like an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, complete with miniature exteriors. Um, the way it treats uh, Fred Rogers, who's like you know sweetest man in the world type thing as an antagonist 
to its journalist lead. Like he's constantly foiling him, um, which is genius in itself. Or that scene, which which the clip kind of leads into, where Mister Rogers asks us all to stop a minute to think of those who have so loved us into being. Which is like, yeah, it's it, the film is emotional. It's full of heart and humanity, but it's too smart to cop out for easy answers. Everything feels earned. Um, Hanks's performance is kind of distracting for about five minutes, and then it's just really beautiful and immersive. Matthew Reese is terrific as well. He's someone that sort of made his name on television. He played. Perry Mason on the HBO show this year, as well as um, he was in the show, the Americans. Um, and is a, the, I just feel like in a world as angry and shouty and divided as the one as we find ourselves in right now, this film is such a clear eyed, big hearted reminder that it doesn't have to be this way. We were all children once broken people of all stripes can find a way towards repair. And perhaps we should all ask ourselves on a daily basis. What would Mr. Rogers do? Needless to say, I cried a lot. I actually, I didn't see this film for the reasons why you listed that perhaps you weren't going to see it, Paul, but now I'm very, very keen to watch it. Yeah. Well, the doco, the doco was excellent. It was, yeah, the doco yeah. was beautiful. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's it, like I found with some people it was the film they saw first mm. affected them more. Like like a lot of people were sort of saying, yeah, I like this, but I like the doco more because mm-hmm. that it was my first experience of it but this was mine so it just cut me in two but i think even though if you have seen the doco i think you'd still enjoy this it's yeah it's just really yeah beautiful and wise it's it's so lovely independently yours triple r 102.7 you're listening to the season finale of primal screen on triple r with flick ford sally christie and myself paul anthony nelson so the time has come for you to lip sync for your no, not that. It's time for I told you I was obsessed. It's time for the new release films we collectively voted as our best of 2020. I was hoping for a nice clean top 10, but no, the collective of House of Screen can't do that. They've just given me seven. Five films wound up in two of our three top tens, whereas two films ended up in all three of our top tens and quite highly in all of them too. So let's start off, shall we? So of the two vote films, the film ranked number seven is a film that screened at Myth 68 and a half, and that is David France's documentary about the struggles of gay men to es- and women to escape from the oppressive Chechnyan regime. Welcome to Chechnya. <laughs> Скажи, пожалуйста, насколько критична ситуация? Дело в том, что мой дядя узнал про мою ориентацию вот недавно. Угу. Он в любом случае меня убьет. А, не мой привет. So yeah, this is uh this is hard hitting stuff. Um the, the, like this um but also the greatest use of deep fake in history as well. Flick. True. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Your your thoughts? Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I think amazing use of deepfake in such an interesting and political way. Um, I think this is another Cerise recommendation. We should get Cerise on to <laughs> talk to these. But um, Cerise yeah, is hijacking. Enc- at least. Yeah, she encouraged me to to check this out for Miff, and I I I was cro- I had to actually stop several times. Of course, mm. Miff was online this year, so I stopped several times and had a good cry. Um, in a really cathartic way and a really 
um, eye-opening way. I think sometimes, um, you know, there's straight privilege um, and this is really a documentary that heteronormity heteronormativity kills and it kills in a very real way um, in this film. Uh, yeah, such a powerful documentary, you know, since 2017, um, there has been this war on LGBTQ Chechens and um, yeah, just looking at the way in which there's been this government directed campaign to detain, uh, torture and execute them is shocking viewing, but really uh, essential viewing. Um, definitely had to be in my top 10. Um, yeah, really, really difficult mm. watch, but I, I recommend everyone to to seek it out. And in a year, I not to be flippant, but in a year in which we didn't get any Marvel movies, we found some true heroes in this film. Like oh, the, absolutely, these people that spirit um, the these LGBTQ uh, youths out of of Chechnya yeah. are incredible. They're just mm. doing amazing work. And I think like so often it's hard to capture true courage on screen. And I think that the amount of risk that these people put themselves um, into in order to, to save and, and, and help these people have a safe passage out um, is, yeah, amazing. Uh, really, really. And the deep fake, we were talking about that stuff, deep fake technology, such, a, such an excellent use of it, really, um, really clever. And also the, how it's usually used. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also the lovely fact that it was um, the deep fake uh, facial technology was made up of thousands of hundreds of faces that were donated, mm. um, images that were donated to the filmmakers in support of hiding um, these people's identities. Mm. Um, yeah, beautiful stuff. Number six this year is a film that I think shocked us all. Have you ever done anything like this before? I've never done this but over Zoom. Obviously we're not physically together, but there's no reason why spirit can't communicate over the internet. Nothing's gonna happen. Visualize us sitting in a circle. Spirit, we invite you to use us to pass on any communication. Is there anyone there? Please come forth. What was that? Welcome to Chechnya ended up on Flick and My List, but Rob Savage's host ended up on Sally and My Lists. I think it was a number 11 maybe on mine. Ooh. <laughs> and welcome to Chechnya nearly made mine as yeah. well. Um, host was a, a total absolute surprise. Um, like I said, when we, we did cover this on the show, reading the synopsis of this, it just sounded like nothing I would ever want to watch. And it sounded like a nightmare. Absolutely. Yeah, and especially in this point where we were in second stage lockdown and Zoom fatigue was a very real thing for me, watching a film on Zoom just sounded horrendous. But this film it was incredible. Um, it just it captured the moment so well, uh, so cleverly. The script was so tight. The performances were all brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I was absolutely shocked by how incredible this film was. And the craft of it is incredible. Mm. Like the fact that they got the director had to teach because nobody could visit anybody. The director had to teach the actors how to do all of their practical special effects on in real time. Yeah, amazing. Okay, yeah, yeah. So and there's some really good ones in there as well. Yeah, yeah, some of them are amazing. And one of the creepiest uses of um, what are the like virtual the backgrounds and virtual filters. face filters? Yeah, the filter. Yeah, I've ever seen. It's so good. And I'm sorry, it's much better than Unfriended. Now that I've actually seen Unfriended. I haven't seen it. I did have a student say to me, though, that Host was uh, Unfriended but good. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
<laughs> it's look, a friend, it's fine, but host is something else. I yeah, I just had a ball with this. A fi- fifty-six minute scare fest, and yeah, like just, but it, but I love the fact that it's new technology, but an old-fashioned ghost story. Yes, um, and that was, yeah. I think, the strength of it. The story was very simple. Yeah, mm. so worth getting Shutter to watch. So at number five is a uh, a, a a documentary. According to a study from GLAD, 80% of Americans don't actually personally know someone who is transgender. So most of the information that Americans get about who transgender people are, what our lives are and are about, comes from the media. We've been around since there was uh, footage. You just have to look for us. So our top documentary vote for the year is Disclosure, Trans Lives on the Screen, directed by Sam Fader. And that that ended up in Sally and Flick's top 10s in my top 20 um, of the year this year. Um, yeah, really, really great stuff. Mm. I actually had had it recommended by so many friends and I only recently got around to watching it. I don't know if you felt the same so with like well, just both of you with the the uh, enormity of this task of bringing together a, a list and realizing those films that you hadn't yet seen that you're like I'm pretty sure that I would yeah. really love to see this so yep. I made sure that I watched it before we submitted our list and um yeah what a what a powerful doco um I love the fact as well that there's this interrogation of the screen industry and films that are really targeting this because so often, you know, that question of representation, you know, gets brought up, but it's sometimes a bit tokenistic. And I think that this is a really uh, comprehensive overview of, yeah, screen representations of trans people and things that I, again, like I think that thing of like when just thinking about an experience outside of your own and looking at the way in which those screen representations impact how you, your your knowledge of of that experience so they're so powerful mm. and this this documentary is just really perfectly details what the issues are some some of the you know from the beginning of, of cinema really till, till today it's really um extremely ambitious um overview of cinema so i think that it's really essential viewing for filmmakers as, as well as viewers but yeah loved this film yeah yeah, I think um, there's so much that's impressive about this. I think it's a 90-minute documentary and it has so much in it and it's so um, dense in a really great way. Um, we look at things like representation, but Disclosure has an entirely um, trans cast and trans crew as well. Um, so everybody that worked on this documentary uh, is trans. So, And to have so succinctly these people talk about how representation has impacted their lives Mm. um I don't think that we've seen in such a clear way before and I do think this is really really essential viewing and how we um read things from media and how that influences the way we think about this I also am a school teacher and I made sure that this is in our curriculum next year because I think it's super important Mm. for you know people of all ages I to see how representation does impact people. My, I guess my fear with something like Disclosure is that it goes onto Netflix and um, people aren't seeing it. And I, I really think this is something that should be seen because it helps us to understand how we read media for sure. Mm, it's That's the thing. It's it, On one hand, it could get lost in the shuffle. On the other hand, it's the most accessible thing. Like, exactly. Like, yeah, it really does, is. Most people have Netflix. Um mm which is great. Like, yep. And I think it's good that we lead people towards it and they get to see it. Mm-hmm. So number four 
is a, a particularly uncomfortable film. And here you are sitting in my office, stressed out, jealous of some new assistant who's, who's getting more attention than you. I'm, I'm not, not jealous. I, I was just, I was worried for this girl. She's a woman. She's a grown woman. Sorry, yes. You think a grown woman can't make her own choices? I never said that. Because she's a waitress? Nope, I didn't say that. What then? What then? Listen, honestly, what do you want from me? So Kitty Green's The Assistant wound up on Flick and Sally's list, and like The Platform was probably the closest film elsewhere on this list to my top 10. Like This is probably my, like my number 13, 14. Um, yeah, um, this uh, Michael Haneke-style uh, examination of a, a, a Weinstein-esque work environment, but fo- focusing directly on the assistant working in it, is is was a real grower for me. This is a film that that really um, kept recurring to me in the weeks after I saw it. I thought that too. I found this to be, a, a, I found it a really uncomfortable watch and I found it a really relatable watch. I think we spoke about that when we uh, discussed it on the show that we've all kind of felt this way in a workspace at some point. But um, yeah, I, I found that as well, Paul. It, it grew on, it was a real grower because I, I kept thinking about it and I kept thinking about how uncomfortable it made me and also how realistic it was because I think this is Kitty Green's first film that wasn't a documentary but certainly has, yeah, it could be. Mm, yeah, I got an opportunity to speak with Kitty Green on on three occasions and I I constantly was like un, uncovering even more kind of um, layers to the amount of research that she'd done for this film. It's, it's an exceptional film and just so economical with the storytelling, like trying to fit in what is a very, unfortunately, widespread experience um, and, and culture around, around um, gender in the workplace and, yeah, so brilliantly executed. So now, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I loved it. Um, now we get to the top three and this is where the first shock arrives because I thought for sure this film would be our unanimous number one of the year. Um, let's play the clip, shall we, Carl? You don't like me cooking? Oh, don't be such an old bitch! You're drunk! You don't know what you're talking How can I possibly like the horse shit you fix us for supper? You're drunk! I, you won't be saying that. King kitchen shanty cooks. There was fried donuts three you're times drunk. a day. You're Country drunk. Country hand bigger you're than your drunk. Food. I'm drunk. I'm you heard me. You'd be drunk. Damn ye. Drunk since I first laid eyes on you. You're fond of me lobster, ain't you? Drunken in a Virginia fence. I seen it. You're fond of me lobster. So Robert Eggers's The Lighthouse was Sally's number one. I'm, I'm assuming it, she didn't rank, but I kind of have the feeling <laughs> uh, it might have been her number one. It was my number one, oh, and sorry, Flick guys. left us hanging. <laughs> I There's... wonder when, as soon as you played the clip, I was like, "Shit, the lighthouse." Um, it seems it seems like five years ago that I saw. <laughs> yeah, to be I saw it. It was the last film I saw before going into lockdown. So Is that right? It just like maybe it just sort of went, got lost in the the um, yeah mental breakdown that was lockdown. Uh look, I love it, but and I found it incredibly funny. Now I feel I have to defend my reason for not. But I just genuinely <laughs> forgot it. I'm not forgot about it, but it just That's was crazy. Like, yeah, it's great. Like of course it's great. But um, yeah. sorry guys. <laughs> Left it. Yeah, Sal. 
Oh, this was just so much fun. And it's just such um, Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson, were incredibly brilliant and just a stunning film to look at, like absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, like I said, it feels like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did see it January 30th, but I've had, it's been like no other. I mean, I haven't had I remember that many after you saw it, you were like, this is it. Nothing's yep. going to beat this for me. And I was like, okay. And I, I had, I wanted to see this film for such a long time. Um, and it did not disappoint. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Other like, I know we had a reduced field of films this year, but I think even if we'd still had yeah. everything at the cinemas, this would still be. Oh, it's the one film I saw this year where I was instantly, and I think my partner was the same too. It's like, could we just tell the projectionist to play it again? Like, we could have just sat through it all again. Like, I just, yeah. like the sound, the visual, like the visuals design, the sound design, Pattinson and, 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 um, uh, um, Defoe. and Defoe, thank you. His performances were incredible. Um, yeah, uh, this is this is nuts. So the two films that dominated that got unanimous votes, number two is from a filmmaker that Primal Screen listeners will find familiar. A purchase on a horizon. Just looking, thank you. The hesitation in your voice, soon to be an echo in the recesses of the spheres of retail. The dress is your image onto what you project through an illusion. I'm just going on a date. I don't normally wear this kind of thing. Be bold. Your date will compliment you. I would like you to announce the numbers to your telephone. It's had a circuitous journey to the screen, but Peter Strickland's In Fabric was Flicks number two, mine number six, and possibly number two for Sally? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, of course, interviewed Peter not that long ago, and, yeah, this is just, I've said it, many times on this show we've covered this we've covered this film yeah. as yeah, a festival favorite last a year <laughs> as a review this year <laughs> yeah um and with with peter as well yeah it's brilliant um his best horror com- uh well maybe second best horror comedy of the lighthouse but our number <laughs> one film of 2020 unanimously voted flicks number one my yeah. number two possibly number three for yeah, sally three for me i told you about how things were gonna go. You like the way things are going now? That's my family! Get the kids out of the house! You having a good time? Yes. Primal Screen's favorite film of 2020 is the 135-minute anxiety attack from the Safty Brothers, starring Adam Sandler in our number one film of the year. Sandman. Un- the Sandman in Uncut Gems. I was, going there... to include, I was going to include Hoobie Halloween. And I was like, nah, I can't do that. Imagine, <laughs> imagine that. Sadler bookends. Yeah, this is, yeah. I mean, did any film sum up 2020 more than this? Just No, and this was before <laughs> hit the fan as well. Like, yeah. Actually, I feel like we've chosen very, um, um, like, Lighthouse is a great um, 2020 film. Yes. And also Uncut Gems. Like, of course, they're one and two. Yep. <laughs> So Uncut Gems tops our list. So Uncut Gems at one, Fabric in Fabric at two, The Lighthouse at three, The Assistant at four, Disclosure at five, Host at six, and Welcome to Chessia at seven. Triple R.
All right, you've been listening to the season finale of Primal Screen on Triple R with Sally Christie, Flick Ford, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. We've gone a little over time, so I'll have to do this very quickly. But as we close out the bizarre, tumultuous, difficult, but in many ways revealing year that was 2020, we would like to extend some thanks, firstly, to our fearless panel operator and de facto producer, Carl Chapman, for steering us through the choppy waters of this year, not only on air, but off air, with technical assistance, wrapping his brain around all manner of complex new broadcasting processes under COVID restrictions and being the poor canary we sent down the well, so to speak, as the only member of our team to broadcast our show in person from the Triple R studios all year. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all your help this year, Carl. And now, as now, normally every year we throw the mic over to Carl, but we don't quite we don't quite know how it's going to work with all of this Zoom thing. But I will tell you that Carl has told us his top three for the year were the Lighthouse, the Assistant, and Idiot Prayer. So they've all ended up in our list. So nice work, Carl. Um, we also send out a huge thank you to our podcast editor Morty Osborne in her first full year as part of the Primal Screen team. Congratulations on completing your thesis, Morty, and to Tyler Daglish who stepped in beautifully while Morty took a break to complete said thesis. We also thank. Triple R program manager Beck Hornsby for her unflagging support of our little show. Triple R's talks producer Elizabeth McCarthy for hooking us up with all of our interviews and hot news. And we send our continued thanks and love to our former Plato's Cave producer, Lisa Kovacevic, who had her second baby this year, as well as all of the Ace co-hosts who have shared the air with us this year. Emma Westwood, Cerise Howard, Stuart Richards, Eloise Ross, Lee Gambin, and Anthony Carew. As well as all of the fine folks we interviewed this year, thank you for your spending time with us but most of all we thank you our listeners for staying the course and tuning into our show all year you're the reason we do this which sounds cliche until you realize that yeah we'd just be talking to ourselves otherwise (laughs) thank you for your ears minds attention support and opinions and we will see you all bright eyed and bushy tailed on february 1st 2021 you can find our lists of the best films of 2020 and everything we reviewed on the show this year on letterbox.com right now Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 